uh, this morning. Just verse 14 and 15, we'll read it together. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I pray this morning as we move forward now. God, we're all standing together for the reading of your word. We're all presenting ourselves right now before you. And uh, God, I pray that you will uh, move among us and help us. Lord, we're thankful for the precious name of Jesus, for the blood that he shed upon the cross of Calvary. We're thankful for the grace and the mercy that you have bestowed upon us. We're thankful that calling upon your name, repenting of our sin, we can all be your children experience the gift of salvation. If there's one here this morning who has put that off, rejected Jesus up to this point, may you, through your word and through the conviction of your spirit, Father, may you lead them to a saving faith today, to accept Christ. Lord, help us. We're always faced with a choice. Help us to make the right one that brings you glory and us peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So a little over a year ago, we began our journey through Joshua. And we have now come to the final chapter. And Lord willing, I'll preach one more message concerning those who who leave the children of Israel, at the end of the chapter, Joshua included. As we get to this portion, we are dealing with a preparation for a transition. And transitions are a part of life. Uh, we go from one stage of life to another. And a lot of times, we are, our memories are really they're marked in life at those periods of transitions. We remember our birthdays, right? We remember our anniversaries. We remember uh, the passing of loved ones. Uh, we remember when we began school and when we graduated school. And, and so there's different parts of our life where, where we, we often use a term, we start a new chapter, right? And that's a transition into a next phase of life. And so Joshua here in chapter 24, I, I just remember, it seemed like yesterday we were in chapter 1 and the Lord is helping Joshua to understand how to lead the people, that he could not do it in his own strength, that it was going to require God's help and God's blessing and direction. And uh, of course, Joshua 1.9 comes to mind, Joshua uh, um, uh, 1 verse 8 and where our wisdom comes from the scriptures and success comes from obeying the scriptures and understanding that we have to have strength and courage to obey the word of God and stand for truth and to do that which was right and 
to not be afraid or be dismayed because God is with us wherever we go. That's what the Lord told Joshua. And Joshua can testify in the later years of his life that that promise was true. And so now he gathers all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. We talked about him gathering the leaders in chapter 23 last week. And now here in chapter 24, he's gathering all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And he calls for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And he's got something to tell them. And Shechem has a... It has a historic place in the lives of the people, the children of Israel. Uh, Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, is where God established his covenant with Abraham. And he, he told him, he says, I'm going to give you and your seed this land. I promise this land to you and your, your children is going to be as, as the sand of the sea and as the stars in the heaven. And, and Abraham there, he built an altar unto the Lord in Shechem. Uh, because he believed the promises of God. And that, uh, that altar was built as an expression of his faith. Later, when Jacob returned to the land to reconcile with his brother Esau, in Genesis 33, he bought a piece of land uh, from the sons of Hamor. And he did that because he too believed the promise of God. And then later in Joshua chapter 8, we, we saw where Joshua led the nation to a renewed commitment to the covenant between the nation and the Lord after their, after their debacle that they had in Ai, where uh, because they had, they had went forward and Achan had sinned and people had died and they, they came back to the Lord. And at the end of that chapter, Joshua leads them and he reads the word of God to them. And they renew their covenant commitment to the Lord. Now in chapter 24, the land is theirs. And God has given them a time of rest, time of peace. There's still more, there's still more fighting that needs to take place. There are still many battles that lie ahead, and the same is true in our Christian life. We find our rest in Jesus Christ, amen? But there are still many battles throughout our spiritual life that we, that we must overcome. But in Christ, we are victors. So much like today, the people gather together to not only hear Joshua speak, but as I mentioned in the opening of the service in verse 1, they presented themselves before God. And so really the, the main theme of this, this text is not Joshua and his final speech. It's not the children of Israel. It is about the goodness and grace of God. And so as they come together, they, they've come together because Joshua says, I want everyone gathered together in Shechem. And so everybody drops what they're doing. Everything else is less important. They come together expecting to hear Joshua speak. But what we must always understand is this. You're not coming just to hear the preacher or the pastor. You're coming to present yourself before God. Every one of us today in our spiritual life, we need drawing closer to the Lord. And maybe last year you made some last week you made some spiritual decisions in the Lord, and uh, God's helped you. 
but then you face some battles throughout the week and, and you've had to overcome some things and maybe some of you have taken a step back or maybe, maybe you're dragging in here, you know, your, your knuckles are dragging the ground and your head is lowered and you're, you're just beat up. Well, you come in here to present yourself before the Lord because we recognize this, we need a word from the Lord. We need help. We need to experience grace and the compassion that God can give and His mercy. And we need help in our faith to keep going each and every day. And so Joshua stands up in verse number 2 to deliver a message from the Lord. And for the next 12 verses, the emphasis was placed on all that God has done for His people. And as we read the next 12 verses from 2 to verse 13, if you're in a habit of underlining your Bible, I want you to notice the emphasis on the first person pronoun, I, in the verses. So let's, let's begin. Let's look at verse number 2. I'll read you follow along silently. And let's hear the main point of Joshua's message to the children. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time. Even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham. Notice there, I took, God says, I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. Now, before we move forward, I want us to recognize this. God pulled Abraham out of an idolatrous land, a land that did not know God. The Lord testifies Abraham and his fathers served other gods. And that is, that is true of our life, Larry, and it's true of our heritage. Maybe some of you still come from a heritage where your family doesn't believe in the one true God, doesn't believe in Christ. And you have a heritage of serving other gods. And it may be money, it may be work, it may be uh, sports, it may be uh, hobbies. It's something that really it, it attracts you and it pulls you and it consumes you. Well, I'm thankful for this, that God sees us where we were or where we are. And by his grace and mercy and compassion, he seeks us out to bring us unto himself. Amen? That's what he does. He goes around and he is the one that's seeking. We don't go seeking for the Lord. God's spirit comes along and really is knocking on our heart and reveals to us our great need in life. Our great need for eternity. And that's a relationship with him that for us can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse number 4, he speaks of Isaac. I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, his two, his two sons. And I gave, again, unto Esau, Mount Seir, to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt according to that which I did. Among them, and afterward I brought you out. Do you recognize, BJ, 
that we can never claim any goodness of our own. We can never look back over our life and say, you know what, I did that, right? I, I did that. I, I reached that person and they came to Christ. I, I did something in the church. I did something for my family. I want to tell you something. If it's really worth it, God did it. Amen? And we got to recognize that, Jason. We have to recognize all the time that God is working in our life. And it helps us if we look back over our life and not look back and see what we did and bring up memories of what we did. What really helps everyone, Jacob, is if we look back over our life and we say, you know what, that's when God did this. That's when I got saved. That's when God, that's when I, that's when the Lord put me under conviction. That's when, that right there at that altar is where I came and I gave it to the Lord and the Lord took my burden and he helped me go forward, right? God is the one who does it. So we can never take the glory for anything. It all goes to the Lord. And that's what he's emphasizing here when he's speaking for the last time to the children of Israel a message from the Lord. He is saying all that God had done. Thus saith the Lord. In verse number 6, And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them and covered them, and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and you dwelt in the wilderness a long season. I want you to notice in verse 7, as well as verse 6, that a transition begins to take place. Because now he's not just talking about what he did for their fathers, your fathers. Now he's starting to talk about what he did for, for those who experienced that, those who were... Uh, underage, those were 20 years and younger, who, who saw what God had done in the Red Sea and what he continues to do. So there's a transition in his audience and who he's speaking to of what he has done for them. It says in verse number 8, And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they, brought, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that ye might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. You know, it's important for us. It's important for us to gain our own testimony in our walk with the Lord. And I want to speak to you teenagers right now. Because right now, you, and I've mentioned this in a message in the past, right now you're experiencing what God has done for your parents or your grandparents. You're experiencing the goodness of God and how he delivered them and what he has done in their life. And at some point, it has to transition to you. And you recognize that now this is what God is doing for me. God, I, now I'm seeing God give the victory in my life. I, I'm experiencing the joy of what God is doing in my mom and dad's life, and we're reaping the blessing of that. But now you're transitioning where the responsibility, the decision to serve the Lord is not based on mom and dad. It's based upon you. You have to make that decision. And it transitions there where suddenly you start recognizing, you know what, God is doing this in my life. It's not just mom and dad. Now he's doing it in my life. And you have to recognize that going forward. Then he speaks of uh, Balak 
in verse number 9. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho and, and the men of Jericho. Now he's speaking of what has taken place in the book of Joshua. And the, and the victory that was won in Jericho. And he, he says, they, the, the men of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. A lot of people that otherwise would be overwhelming. It's impossible. That's what their fathers once thought. We can't overcome them. But what, they, but what Jericho and the children of Israel experienced in the book of Joshua is that they could, only, they could only overcome them because God would give the victory. And he says, I delivered them into your hand. It wasn't Joshua's great leadership that led the children of Israel. It wasn't the children of Israel's great, uh, great willingness and ability to fight. It was God who delivered them. And he wraps up in verse 12. He says, I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted, not do ye eat. So before we go forward, can we all recognize, Ronnie, beginning with you, can we recognize right now the goodness of God in our life and that we are experiencing blessings that none of us deserve? God's grace is sufficient. God's mercy is wonderful. His forgiveness of all that we have done because he loved us and gave his son to die on the cross, those are reasons that we can give glory to his name. Because of that, Carrie, Joshua now leads them to a decision. And every sermon, and every time that you're in the Word of God, and you may be just by yourself, God, Lynn, He is wanting to speak to you. And He is leading us to a response. Thus saith the Lord, I have done all of this for you. And now Joshua says, because he's done all this for you, what are you going to do with it? So he says in verse 14, Now therefore, fear the Lord. He offers them a challenge to serve the Lord. And the first thing he brings up in verse 14 is an appeal to fear the Lord. Now, I want to tell you something. It's best if you serve the Lord because you love Him. Amen? But it's also important that we recognize that we, in that is a, is a reverential fear for the Lord. Sometimes my boys, they, they cut up a little too much with their mother. And then dad walks in and you can, cha- you can see the whole room changes. Suddenly... There, suddenly everybody's in line. Suddenly everybody steps up. That's the way it is with the Lord. There is a reverential fear. I would never do anything to my boys that wasn't out of love. 
right? Even when I'm correcting them, it's out of love. Even when I'm trying to say, hey, you know what? You need to stay away from that. It's because I love them. And Joshua's saying, listen, God has done all of this for you, Billy. He's done all of this for you. All of this good, wonderful things. Now, I want you to recognize that it's better to walk in the goodness and blessing of, and light of God than it is to go in the shadow and the darkness of your sin. Amen? There's always the appeal, always. So if you're saved this morning, you're saved only one way. It wasn't by joining a church. It wasn't through baptism. You're saved by what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. That he died for your sins and that he was buried and he rose again the third day. And that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord and believe in that heart that God hath raised him from the dead. I'm mixing two verses there. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in that heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, right? It's recognizing that God loves you. He doesn't want to punish you and he doesn't, he doesn't send anyone to hell. Everyone goes to hell on their own choice. They reject God. They reject Jesus and say, I want nothing to do with it. So if you're saved today, it's because of the goodness and grace of God. Let me, tell, let me encourage you to walk in the fear of the Lord, realizing this, that he doesn't have to bless you every day, and he can allow you to make your own poor and dumb decisions and get out of the will of God. We need to walk realizing this. The only place that I need to be is where God wants me to be. So he appeals to them to go forward in the fear of the Lord. And then he, he, he issues a call to serve in sincerity and truth. The reason for that we'll get in more later. But he says, and serve him in sincerity. Be sincere with your service and in truth. It's not your opinion. It's not what somebody else says. It is, it is with a sincere heart and desire and love for the Lord that we that we act to serve him. And then he, with his challenge, he tells them in verse 14, to put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. Put away the gods which your fathers served. Some of us hold on to tradition. We hold on, this is how mom and daddy did it. We hold on to that. And it ruins our walk with the Lord. We're going to do it because this is what mama taught me to do. It, and this is what daddy said. We're not careful. We get out of the will of God and we start serving the wrong gods. And he's saying this. If you're going to serve the Lord in sincerity and truth, you need to put away those things that are contrary to me. That's what God is saying there. Joshua's appealing to them. Put away those things that are contrary to what God is wanting to do in your life. So he offers a challenge to serve. Then he offers them, in verse 15, there's a spiritual commitment to choose for yourself. Joshua says, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you'll serve. Your choice. What you do with the message, that's between you and the Lord. If you want to serve the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, serve them. But Joshua says, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Are you with me? 
Listen, listen, before I move forward, get this. Joshua didn't wait for you to answer. He didn't wait for an answer. He says, you got to make your decision, but let it be known. I'm just going to make it public right now. My house, we're going to go with the Lord. You don't have to. You don't have to live for the Lord. You can go out here and live in sin. You can live in rebellion against God. That is your choice. God will deal with you. God will take care of that. But I'm going to make it known right now. I'm not going to wait for you to get up and go to the altar. I'm going to go and bring my family to the altar and say this. My family, we're going to serve the Lord if we're the only ones in the church. If we're the only ones in Somerville, we're going to go with the Lord. It's a commitment that Joshua, as a leader, he's, he's not waiting for everyone else. He's saying we're going to do what is right. Then you see the, the cause to serve. Verse number 16, the people answer, their initial response was, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Well, who's not going to say that? You know, I mean, if, if Joshua says that and he's waiting for an answer, people are going to say that. God forbid we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. From the house of bondage. They're, they're recalling where he brought them from in verse 17. Where he brought them from. God, God did this in our life. God saved me out of sin. God changed me. God took me from the pit out of the miry clay. And he put me on a solid rock. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm experiencing his peace and his blessing. I'm experiencing joy that I've always longed for but was never able to obtain. I have found this in the Lord. He delivered us. He took us out of the house of bondage. Then they speak of how he encourages them along the way. And, he, and, and which did those great signs in our sight. God didn't do things that were hidden. God did things that were recognizable. And sometimes the Lord works in ways that we don't understand and we don't know. But what really encourages us along the way is when God does something and all we can say is, you know what, that was God. God did that in my life. God answered that prayer. God helped me. And then we see where he is leading us to. He says, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went. And among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Amen. This is what the Lord did. They said he preserved us. Well, I'm thankful the Bible says in Jude 1 verse 1, To them who are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. I'm thankful the Lord preserves us, aren't you? That's God's, that's God's word. That's God's promise. They see a cause to serve. Because of all that he has done, all that he is doing, and all that he promises to do in the future. It brings us to the commitment to serve. Joshua makes it clear that such service requires more than lip service. It requires a profound devotion. So he responds to them in verse 19. Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord 
For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. And he warns, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, nay, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. It's easy. It's easy, Jordan, to stand in a room amongst the believers and say, I'm going to go walk with the Lord. It's another thing to do it when nobody's looking. Are you with me? It's a whole other thing to walk out these doors different than when you came. It's easy to feel good about God in a church service. We're singing, we're all like-minded. But what are we really going to do when we leave this place? If we're really going to serve him, then everything in our life that is contrary, we've got to get rid of it. We've got to confess that sin. We've got to say, Lord, we need you to clean this up. I don't need to hold on this any longer. You've been convicting me about it, but I've kept it. And now I need to just get rid of it and go forward with you. Joshua's saying it's not just lip service. It requires a profound devotion. In verse 15, he speaks of his devotion to stand. We just looked at that. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And in verse 23, he mentions that we're to be devoted to submit unto the Lord. He says, now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you. Now I'm almost done. But Jacob went, if God, if God parted the Red Sea for you and you walked on dry ground and delivered you from your enemies... Don't you think he's the one guy? And if he led you to the Jordan River and you got to get across and it's flooded that time of year, it's out of the banks, and you got to get all those people across, and God gives Joshua a plan and those priests step in that water and when those Levites step in that water, that water parts and everybody crosses. Don't you believe he's the God? Rahab recognized he was the God. Don't you think that when you go to Jericho and you wonder, your fathers talked about those high walls and how they were, uh, that they couldn't overcome them, they couldn't win, and now you're standing right before them and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get in and God says, I just want you to walk around it. I just want you to march around it for six days, one day, one time a day, and seven days, seven times. You're going to shout and those walls are going to come down. And when those walls come down, don't you think, wouldn't you say, he is God and he is God alone. Right? Then don't you think it is crazy that Joshua was telling them after all this time of battles and warfares and victories, he's still saying, then put away your strange gods? Now everyone who says that's right, that can apply to us as well. Because none of us have a reason to walk away from the Lord. We ought to be the happiest people in the world. Ain't that right, Michael Bell? We ought to be the happiest, joyful people in the world. 
We are saved. Our sins are forgiven. Let us walk with God. Let us obey His commandments. Let us keep His word. Let us love Him. And may we serve Him in sincerity and truth. Isn't that, isn't that the way it should be? But I know this and you know this. In churches all across the world today, people who are believers still have the wrong God in their house and they still bow down and worship Him at times. And Joshua is saying, listen, if you're really going to serve him, if you're really going to walk with the Lord, then you need to get everything out of your life that don't need to be there. You need to get on your knees and you need to confess your sin. You need to clean your house. You need to clean your mind. You need to clean your eyes. You need to clean your ears. Everything needs to be removed if it stands up against you and your God. You got to, it's not just lip service. It's not just pleasing the preacher or pleasing the crowd. It is walking out of this place determined to be submissive. God's word, God's will, God's way. And then he calls them to a devotion to to stretch, if you will. He says in verse 23, And incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. Incline your heart. That means means to allow God to, to stretch you. All right? God, God, here I am. I want you to grow my faith. I, I, I want you to put me in a position where it can, it can only be God, Tim, or I'm going to fail. I want, I, I, want you to, I want you to have my heart, and I want you to do something with it that only you can do. I, I'm coming to you and say, God, here I am. Now stretch me, grow me, develop me. Are you with me? It's his last words. It's his last message. And he's saying, God did all of this. Why don't you surrender it all to him? Why don't you stand with him, whether anybody else stands or not? Stop looking over your shoulder at who else is with you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stop being the same. Put yourself in a position. Well, God, here I am. What do you want to do with me? Stretch me. Grow me. Put me in a place where I have to depend upon you. He wraps up in verse 24. For the devotion to stay. It says in verse 24. And the people said unto Joshua. The Lord our God will we serve. And his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. And sent them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And he wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be, therefore, a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. 
So Joshua let the people depart, every man into his own inheritance. Look down at verse 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. They said, we're going to serve him. And they walked away from that service. You know what they did? They served the Lord the rest of their life. You with me? Back to you teenagers. You get a couple of chapters in Judges and you'll learn that their kids chose not to walk with God. When it was on them and it was their turn, they decided to go a different direction. You got to make a choice. Just like your mom and dads have to make a choice. Let's have our pianist come.